Welcome to another episode of Dollar Dorks. This is episode nine. On this podcast, we aim to share video game buying and selling tips, give suggestions about games to watch for, provide tips on how to fund your collection with your collection, and hopefully change the perception that some people have of game sellers in the video game collecting community. And as usual, I have two guests. My guests today are Scott, VG, or video game collectaholic, the man with more complete game collections than I have pairs of socks. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? <laughs> And uh, then Sean, P1 of the Cartridge Club, Cartridge Bros, our benevolent club leader. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, really excited to be here. Awesome. No. Uh, thank you. Okay, so we are going to start, as we always do, with the last deal or noteworthy pickup or purchase. And uh, get right into it with uh, Scott first. All right. Well, my last was an eBay purchase this past week. I got something that had been on my want list for quite a while, actually. Um, it is a Neo Geo AES system. And it's one of the few US consoles that I didn't already have and really literally been on my want list since like 1996. And saw one when I was a kid. So it's just sort of been this unattainable thing that uh, I was putting off because I wanted to get one at a good price and complete in box. And of course it had to be Joe Kandish uh, and it had to have a low serial number because the RGB output on the video is best for systems that are under 70,000 on the serial number. Okay. I wonder why you wrote something about the serial number on your, uh, your Twitter. I think it was your Twitter or your Instagram about picking it up. I'm like, why does that matter? But I'm glad you explained. Yeah, so there's there's three tiers of video, and it, there's three main board revisions on the Neo Geo AES. And the later board revisions, they can they constantly just got worse in terms of crosstalk and interference. So it's tough to tell. Definitely, definitely, it's tough yeah. to tell if you're just hooking it up composite. Uh, but if you if you have a RGB output, you can definitely tell the the higher serial numbers have a lot of like almost checkerboarding. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. All right. And uh, you found it on eBay. So I'm assuming you have like searches set up to watch for stuff. Yep. Um, I use a a site called. Uh, stuffalert.com and basically it just saves a bunch of the whatever custom searches you have and it'll notify you send you an email uh, every like four hours it'll check every one of your searches so it hmm. works better than the eBay built-in one that really only checks once a day it's not anywhere near frequent enough if you're looking for something that pops up rarely or you're looking to really score a great price on it nice good to know all right, and you said, or the next question is, did you get a good price? I did, I did. They they can go anywhere, especially the low serial number ones. They can go anywhere from um, three fifty on up to seven hundred, eight hundred, just depending on condition of the unit, condition of the box, and and completeness. And I managed to get the the system with a controller, memory card, and a game for three hundred shipped. So I was pretty pretty thrilled with that. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah, I didn't realize you were going to say ship and uh, yeah, complete. Of course, it's complete. I forgot. <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> <to you here. laughs> yeah, I have an OCD problem. No, no, <laughs> just a bit. I think you're you just have an acquired taste. We bet. Yeah, yeah. Expensive. Real acquired. 
<laughs> now I, I need to really try to refrain from getting into game collecting for it because it that that just gets crazy. But I bought um, Stone Age Gamer. They had a Black Friday sale, and they were giving fifteen uh, percent off all of their flashcards, which is actually their best sale of the year every year. If you're looking to get flashcards and stock up on them, hold off until Black Friday, and that week every year they have a sale. Um, they normally exclude flashcards from all of their deals, all of their sales, but hmm. Black Friday it's fifteen percent off, and then it stacks with a five percent discount on flashcart. So I actually ordered three different flashcarts, one of them being the new uh, Neo SD, the Neo Geo flashcart, and got 20% off the whole order. And so I was nice, yeah. definitely a, a tip there if you're in. A lot of people talking about doing switching to flashcards lately. A lot of people in the club lately. <clears throat> I think Eric said he picked one up at the same time as you because you, you sent out something about your... Yeah. yeah, I posted the deal on Twitter, and Eric bought one, and uh, it's Rocket Sauce also hopped on the deal and, and picked up uh, an EverDrive N8. Nice. Yeah, so the next question is why are you keeping or selling? You already said you're keeping it. Makes sense. And why? You already explained something you saw as a kid, right? Yeah, it's just been on my want list, and that gets me pretty close to having uh, all of the major release console, U.S. console releases back to uh, the Atari 2600. Nice. Jealous. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you already explained everything. Uh, moving on to next person is me. So, not nearly as thrilling, but I picked up uh, a pretty good deal, actually. 60 brand new 250 gig IDE hard drives. It sounds weird, but sealed also um, for modding original Xboxes. So, original Xbox needs an IDE hard drive. There are adapters you can get. I've tried them, they don't work great. Um, I've I've modded a few original Xboxes already in the past, and this one collection of games that I usually put on them takes over 80 gigs, so I need a drive that's at least that big to put a really good collection on them. And uh, Re RetroPixel, James in the, in the Cartridge Club, hooked me up with that deal. He He's actually been watching for that deal for me for, for well, watching for drives for me and picking up old dead ones for me to do the manual work of testing, but then he came across someone that was that had boxes of brand new sealed ones. So he asked me if I'd be interested and he got them for me at a dollar a drive, which is ridiculous because these things sell for 30 to 50 to 60 on, on, on uh, eBay right now for used ones. So crazy deal. Awesome deal. James is awesome. He's been watching for me for months. So um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's what I'll be using those for. Uh, and then I got uh, two boxes of just random um, GameCube and Wii controllers bunch of the random stuff for a hundred bucks and it should be worth over 200 so that's that's good um i wish i would have brought a picture but it's not, not fun for audio listeners anyway um and then i think i put a picture on my instagram and twitter of a bunch of broken broken controllers i didn't know at the time they were for sure broken so i was taking a risk but it was um oh i did have this spreadsheet open i think it was three ps uh four controllers three ps or sorry, three uh, Xbox One controllers, and he threw in an Xbox 360 controller, and all that was $32. So even nice. just for parts, I, I'm I'm happy. And uh, so one of the one of the controllers worked of the uh, PS Xbox Ones, um, and one of the PS4s worked, but had a broken trigger. So I just swapped that from the other one. Um, and then the other four controllers uh, of PS4 and Xbox One were were broken, but are good for parts. That's all I got. Solid <laughs> <laughs> transition. All right. And Sean? 
What about you? Uh, super exciting pickups. Great deals. Um, really, really good deals. Really good pickups. I actually grabbed uh, Fire Emblem Warriors for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, Complete Edition. You have to say it that way now, don't you? It's Polykill's fault. Isn't that Dong. what it's called? Dong? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Super Lucky's Tale for Xbox One and Wolfenstein 2. Um, I had I had planned on holding off on Fire Emblem Warriors, Super Lucky's Tale, and Wolfenstein 2 uh, for price drops. Uh, I actually I didn't think Fire Emblem was going to price drop. I'm sort of hoping I win a draw on another podcast. And then if I don't, I'm hoping whoever does win it doesn't pick that one so that I can buy that collector's edition from that podcast. Um, <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, I had sent my local game store uh, a list of games I was interested in after E3. And uh, he's like a, a single owned store. They'd be like a, the, the equivalent of a mom and pop. Um, but I don't think they have kids. And uh he said, uh, those games you asked me to pre-order for you are in. And I felt terrible sticking him with them because he doesn't normally even order in Xbox One games because nobody that goes there buys them. So I went and picked them up um, ahead of when I normally would have bought them uh, because I didn't want to I didn't want to leave them holding the bag. Um, <laughs> and Horizon Zero Dawn, I, I had pre-ordered. Uh, as soon as I saw that they were coming out with a complete edition, I knew that that would be the version I would play. Cool. So... It's all to keep. Paid not as little as you wanted. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll keep Super Lucky's Tale. That's a game for Colleen. She likes the 3D cutesy platformers. So uh, once she's got her fill of Mario, I might throw that in and see if she likes it. If she doesn't, it could go. And in all honesty, I might even consider trading in Fire Emblem and Wolfenstein now when they're still worth more. Yep. Um, and then buying them later when they're cheaper when I wanted them. But then it's, I essentially I just donated the extra money to to the guy yeah, that owns the store. Better off selling them on Kijiji or whatever local classifieds you have. Yeah, for <clears throat> ten bucks less than they go for in the store or whatever. Even yeah, tax. exactly. Be way yeah. better than getting half price at a, at a EB Games or something. Yeah, so I I, I may flip those. Um, just because I, I know I'll be able to get them cheaper in the future. Um, so you could even offer or ask for trades on something you want more, but you probably already bought it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, there's actually, there's not really much now. It's out. I keep going back and forth on Xenoblade, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would put that money aside for probably down the road, maybe a Red Dead Redemption two or something. Yeah. Have you played any of the other Xenoblades? I played and beat, um, so I played Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii. Really enjoyed it, um, but I was living at my parents' place when that came out, uh, so that wasn't uh, conducive to playing games, really, because uh, they just had the one television, and uh, so then that got sort of put aside about halfway in, but then I, I my brother bought it for me on 3DS uh, for when I deployed, and I, I completed it on the 3DS, and I loved it. Um, massive, massive fan, and then I, I bought the collector's edition of X and played through that a bit. And uh, yeah, I, it didn't grab me as much as, as as the first one did, and I never went back to finish it. That was one I had I had wanted to play. It was going to be my game that I play for because we were doing that one console challenge when that first came around. 
And then I deployed that January and left my Wii U at home. So I played it for the month of, for a couple of weeks in December, and then it got put aside because I deployed, and I never went back. Gotcha. Um, but I'm on the fence for two because the character models are a little off-putting for me. I don't. I'm not a super fan of uh, females in super skimpy clothes with giant chests. Um, in real life or in video games, you should probably leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. The the combat looks overly complex to me, but I'm still Easy Allies gave it a really good review. But the reviewer was Ben Moore, and he loves this franchise, so I knew he was going to give it a good review. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm holding off on that till some more people have played it and told me their thoughts. Speaking of easy allies, I have to give you props because I had never listened to it until after hearing one of your weeklies and you pimping it on one of the weeklies. And I started yep. adding it into my rotation. Top-notch stuff. Yeah, oh, man, they're fantastic. Time. They used to be game trailers. Um, that's what I read. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and they're yeah they're uh, they're really, really amazing guys. They've actually, Brandon Jones and Kyle Bossman have both been on, on the Cartridge Club with us. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I'm hoping to get Michael Huber for Last of Us in February. Exclusive. No. <laughs> yeah. Hope we'll see. <laughs> I was on when Kyle was on. He didn't like my opinion of Parappa. Because <laughs> it was the wrong. It was the wrong opinion. <laughs> I don't think anyone liked my opinion of Parappa. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next section. Uh, what are you selling? So, like I said, for Sean, you don't really sell that much, as far as I know. You could always prove me wrong, like Curtis did last last month. But um, so, feel free to talk about uh, a sell, uh, your lack of selling or um, selling history, uh, anything you've sold in the past, or um, your methodology to selling. Um, but you're second, so wait for me. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I should have moved it down. But anyway, um, so. Just recently, I, I went through all my crap that I have to sell and sorted into piles uh, based on where I plan to sell it. Um, some things obviously would sell better locally on Kijiji. Some would sell better on eBay. Um, so I kind of separated those things out and <clears throat> try to make a plan to actually get it done because otherwise I never get things listed. Um, so in the last two days, I have sold a, an AV cable for a PlayStation, which I've found is a consistent churn. I always get those sold. Now, I just leave the ad up all the time. And I have people buying them for five bucks all the time. So that's nice and consistent to have easy sales like that. Um, and then I sold an N64 for a friend of mine, which she gave me 30% profit or 30% uh, in, uh, commission on that. And then I sold uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows for PS3, which is uh, an interesting, um, less common PS3 game. And then uh, just I noticed Scott has his his kind of how many things he usually has listed. So I put, I have 15 items on Kijiji right now and four items on eBay. And one of the things on eBay is a pair of shoes. So <laughs> <laughs> then you can hear me get embarrassed when it's Sean's turn. Okay, Sean, or, or sorry, when it's um, Scott's turn. Sean? Scott's turn. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so yeah, I don't, like you mentioned, I don't sell a ton of things. Uh, and that sort of goes into something I mentioned, I'm going to mention later on as to why I, just, I don't buy a ton of extra stuff. Uh, I've, I've become very selective uh, in the last two years or so with, with what I purchase. Um, so there's just not a lot, except for, you know, I guess the three games I just mentioned. So there's not a lot of room for me to sell stuff. Uh, I am currently, I've got a stack of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times three. 
Uh, I've got a stack of just about 30 NES games um, that I'm actually think it's all my NES games, but I'm thinking about selling all of them uh, because of the NES mini and the retro pie. And I don't know that I'll play them in physical you format. You have a brother with an eBay, eBay account. <laughs> I do have a brother with an eBay account. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess skill at selling games on the yeah. cheap. So, <laughs> so there's a possibility that those will be going soon. Gotcha. I don't judge. In fact, I support selling anything. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. My brother judges enough for everybody. <laughs> That's because he wants support judges from you. <laughs> I love That's that right. judgmentalist name. <laughs> I laugh every single time. Me too. I feel a little bad, but I mostly laugh. <laughs> yeah. No. no shame. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. We all pretty much knew it, I think, that know you. Um, you actually, to, to note here, you probably are more likely to give things away than to sell them. And that says something about your character. Uh, yeah, that, that does happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people are thankful. So, all right. Uh, move on to Scott. Scott, uh, what's something you're selling? I, I have done a a lot of buying and selling over the years and former formerly I owned a couple of video game stores, uh, brick and mortar. And then after I sold those off, I never really got out of the online selling side of things. So pretty much I sell online exclusively, uh, eBay and I used to sell on Amazon too, but I kind of got out of that. Um, I don't really, I don't have time to do meetups with Craigslist or meet people locally. So, uh, it's just much more easy for my schedule to just do eBay. I have an eBay store that you have at any given time, like 200 to 300 things listed. Mostly at this point, it's mostly new games. Uh, whenever I buy stuff, that, especially if it's collector's edition type stuff, I'll buy two or three of them in hopes. It's really in hopes that crushable, then either Best Buy or Amazon or whoever I'm buying it from will ship them together in a box rather than cram it into a padded envelope and ship it that way uh, because I'm, condition on stuff so again getting back to the whole ocd thing with two that are extra that i need to get rid of so they just go on they go in trades or that's give them away to friends if they're looking for it that's yeah, really it's a real pain it'd be nice if you could just pay a little bit extra say i want it in a box right absolutely i would love if there was just a checkbox that says hey ship this in a box no nope. i've never had amazon locally ship not in a box yeah, like I've gotten single, I've gotten single games really? in a box. Yeah, it. I used when I lived in Denver and when I lived in Wisconsin, I got really the the distribution center for Amazon that served both of those places must have just been really well run because I never got anything damaged, never had any problems. And now that I've moved out to just outside of New York City, and it's the I think it's the New Jersey distribution center, that it, it's just an utter crap. Best. It could like, be that they I'll all have, got cheaper at some point, but it was in, like after you moved. You know what I mean? Well, I I've been in, on like the cheap ass gamer forums for years since like 2004, and people I've noticed out east back when I was living in the Midwest would always complain too. And I was like, "What are you guys talking about? I never have problems." Gotcha. And now it's just karma coming back to, <laughs> to bite me. This is what they're talking about. Oh, okay. yeah, I see. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so really, I sell mostly new stuff, mostly collector's edition stuff. Um, I still do. I'm trying to complete some of the. So I'll buy in big lots and then piece out what I need and 
sell the rest of it, obviously. So that's that yeah. sort of fills out the rest of my inventory. Inventory. Yeah. The thing that I have for sale is probably the Class of Heroes 2 Kickstarter edition for PSP. Did a Kickstarter to fund that back, I think this was like 2010 or something. Um, the Kickstarter failed and didn't get off the ground, but then they ended up uh, getting the game published anyway. And all of the people that backed the game got a unique copy with unique cover art and a cool little uh, certificate of authenticity and stuff. And there was only, it failed. So there was only like, backed it. And then those people backed, you know, for like two or three copies each. So there's only 500 copies of this thing that even exists. And that's probably the, the most unique item that I have for sale right now. And all these things that you're buying, let's say you buy two collectors or three collector's editions, you keep one that's the best condition, you sell the other two. Are those other two you're selling for profit or are you selling them for what you paid for out of curiosity? Like, is it, if it's most of the time, I'll sell it market at, value, whatever yeah. market is doing. Most of, most of the time, I'll sell it at market value. If it's something that's massive, like if it's like a Gears of War collector's edition or something, that I just want to get the hell out of my apartment. So I'll, I'm willing to just sell that at cost. Just to, especially now that I live in the East Coast, those spaces at a severe premium. Gotcha. And the next section is the tip corner. <clears throat> um, this is where we try and share some buying and selling tips. Um, anything that uh, people do during a deal that annoys you or where to find deals. And we're starting off with Sean. Yeah, so my, I mean, as we, like, this is a podcast for sellers, and I'm not really a seller, but I'm a buyer, and so maybe this could be a tip for other buyers, but it could also be a tip for sellers. Um, so I, whatever you're looking for, whether it's a game or a console or whatever, whatever you're looking for, decide how much you're willing to pay for it. Figure out to you the absolute max, this is as much as I'm willing to pay on this item. And then don't compromise that. So if you see it for five dollars more, walk away. If you just you don't don't buy it. If, if you don't compromise your price, determine how much it's worth to you, pay no more than that. And on the flip side, if you see it for the price that you have already told yourself you're happy to pay, then buy it right away and don't bother haggling. Just get it. You've already told yourself, say you're gonna spend eighty dollars in this game. You've already told yourself you're gonna spend eighty. If there's a guy who's asking eighty for it, just give him the eighty bucks. You know, he's going to be happy because he doesn't have somebody else trying to talk him down in price. And maybe he marked his price up a little bit thinking somebody would talk him down and he gets an extra bonus. Who knows? He's happy. You paid what you wanted to pay for it. You're happy. And it's so much easier. The transaction is, is easy and done. Just pick a price. Stick to the price is my my tip. You have no idea how much I want to argue with you, but don't argue. I like Just it. explain I like why it. you're right. I like no, let me hear you. Let me hear the flip side. I want to hear the flip I side. forgot I was wearing this shirt. <laughs> For the audio listeners, my shirt says, "I'm not arguing. I'm. Ex I'm. Oh my God! Now it's backwards. I'm just explaining why I'm right." I do want to hear. The flip <clears throat> I want to hear from your. Give me your point of view. I, on, I don't want to deter you. I like your tip. It's a good tip. You're not going to set your. You're price not going to change go my mind. I just I don't like show. to don't go below. That's all I don't like. Because if I can save five dollars, well, that gives me five dollars more for something else. That's the only so, reason why. So if I see it for sixty, I'll grab it for you know. Say I've said I'm going to spend eighty, and I see it yeah. on a table for sixty, then I'll grab it for the sixty. You won't pay me. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, hey, here's an extra twenty bucks because you, you look nice. Yeah. Um. 
No, but I mean, I'm just saying, so if, I'm just was, saying if, if a game was 80 and I was willing to pay 80, I would still offer 75 if it was a swap, not a retail store, but if it was a swap, I would, I would have to offer at least $5 less just to save that $5 and put it towards something else. That is just a different mentality. I, I try and put everything I have into the collection and I, every dollar saved is more I can buy in the collection. None of my own money goes into it. And that has a lot to do with the difference. That's all. That makes sense. You have <clears> been a seller at at least one convention, correct? Me? Yeah. I won convention only. Um, how much did you appreciate customers that just came up and paid what you had written on the sticker? Oh yeah. Big time. Did it not like, so, but if they also, mind, offered me, if they offered me like a reasonable, like, let's say $5 off $80, pff, I have no problem with that either. That would be just as good of a transaction to me. You don't get tired of every single person asking for $5 off? Not at all. I think this goes, this is line in line with just P1's mentality though. Like he likes giving games away. He likes making people feel good. <laughs> yeah. This is just, you know, <laughs> it's just happy P1 being happy P1. <laughs> Make other people uh, happy. I guess. Yeah. But it makes me happy too. Like, uh, you know. Here's what I wanted to pay. I paid it. Yeah, no, I agree. I understand. I just I couldn't do it because of the way I buy and sell, right? <clears throat> Even if it was a game that I really wanted. Now, I've paid up for games for sure, um, especially stuff off eBay that I have a hard time finding. So I've even gone above what I thought I was willing to pay because I was sick of waiting. Let's say, I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to pay no more than $20 for this game. And then I look and I'm looking and I've got eBay notifications and I never see it come up and I'm just sick of it. And it shows up for 25. I'm like, I'm just doing it six months later. I, I'm sick of waiting. I'm just going to do it. Especially if I had just made some good sales. Let's say I had saved $5 somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Fair point. I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to uh, detract from your tip. It's still a good tip. It's just not quite big enough. Uh. <laughs> moving on <laughs> okay on to me so uh i never remember my tips i always write them down ahead of time because i'm an idiot and uh so i had uh i had thought of this recently it's something i need to do myself and i did do one time but i need to do it again so pull out three to five games from your collection that you keep forgetting to actually try because you're thinking about getting rid of them let's say you have this game you're like i heard it was good i bought it you know but it may actually not be a good game and I may not want to keep it. And I just haven't had time to try it. Just sit down and try three to five or so games and try them out. See if they're any good, make a decision. And uh, just like Nintendo Hodges uh, player purge, he was doing videos of for a while there. Mm -hmm. Just play it or purge. Or, yeah. Play it or purge it. Keep it or sell it. And the money you get, if you do sell it could go towards something else. You actually want more. And uh, the shelf space could help or just getting comfortable with not looking at your collection and thinking there's all those games I've never played. Because that personally bothers me a lot is having too many games that I've never actually played. That's it. Scott? Um, so my tip would be don't be afraid to part things out. Uh, it, as a collector, this this kills me inside a little bit every time I do it because I collect complete things and I hate really having to track components down or inserts down. But when I'm selling, uh, like, like Derek said, it's sort of all about the, 
the the profit margin and being able to put that extra money back into funding more of the collections. So whether it's a collector's edition item or a complete in-box game, uh, I've found that quite often I can maximize my profit by parting it out and selling the game disc in one transaction, selling the instruction manual in another transaction, the game box in another transaction, and even posters and uh, registration cards, things like that. You can really juice your, your revenue potential by parting things out as much as possible. I've heard that before. I, I, I think I've only done it once, but definitely heard that before. Actually, I think I only do it when I, in keeping the, the cartridge, for example, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm willing to sell the box manual. Yeah, so when like if I'm trading things into GameStop or Electronics Boutique, if you're in Canada, um, I they obviously don't care. Like they just they want the game disc. So whenever I trade something in, it's disc only, and then I'll just create a stack of cases. I'll have a stack of PlayStation Three cases, a stack of Xbox cases, uh, you know, um, Switch cases, whatever, and then stacks of artwork. And once I get 20, 25 cases, I'll put them all into a lot and sell that lot on eBay. Put all the cover arts into a lot, say assorted cover arts, sell that lot on eBay. Um, and it's basically free money because you're getting full price for the game itself. So I don't think we do get full price if you don't include the case here. I don't really? think they'll, I don't think they take it without the case. Wow. Indie games will or should, at least around here for sure, because they sell them with those generic cases. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. But I think they do deduct some money off. I know all the independent game stores around here definitely deduct money off if there's no case or manual. But uh, I'm pretty sure EB Games still will do the same thing here. Really? Yeah, independent I haven't stores. traded in there, but I've heard that, I think, from Josh. Creepily. Independent stores here I will, will definitely do it, but... Yeah. GameStop down here, like they'll they'll even go so far as to to throw away cases that they have. Like they've completely trashed all of their DS cases, all of their 3DS cases, a lot, of, a lot of Vita cases in places. It's just you go in, it's it's all game only, and they throw the stuff away. It's terrible. That is crazy. Yeah, NJ Retro has a deal with one where they save all the DS cases for him, and he just nice. goes in and get the hundred DS cases at a time. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for Blows him. Me away. I do need to do a bulk lot of loose cases because I'm sick of having all these, or sorry, ca empty cases because I have way too many. I have like two boxes full of them plus another box of DS cases with, with nothing in them, just blank DS cases. That, that's a really good tip, Scott, because you know everybody knows that a bundle of games goes for cheaper than selling the games individually, but not a lot of people would consider that the complete game itself is a bundle and that you could you could you could part it out uh, and, and make more yeah absolutely there even for especially this is really true for retro stuff like n64 games i will always part out um there there was one i think it was uh worms armageddon complete in box down here at the time that was selling for like 300 dollars. i sold a manual itself for 350 like, it just doesn't <laughs> wow. make any sense. I think it's just people who have, they need a mania, yeah. and they don't want to deal with having to resell the rest of it, right? So it's like mm -hmm. more money than time kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I'm assuming that works best for rare games, because if you got common games, it's oh yeah, three lotted up and just put a whole bunch of them in a, in a box and sell them off. Yep, absolutely. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, I don't get rare games very often. <laughs> My area is way, way too picked over for that stuff. Um, okay, so moving on, we have our mandatory break. So we'll pause right here for a quick break. Hello. 
I'm Eric from the Mighty Q-Dog channel. Here in the Q-Dog house, we accept only the highest level of quality, which is why we listen to the Polykill podcast. Twice a month, hosts Caleb and Scott break down the video game issues of the day, no, offering... No, it's not the one with Caleb. What? It's not the one with Caleb and Scott. It's not the one with Caleb? Polykill has Travis and Jake. Who? Travis and Jake. Who the Swayze are Travis and Jake? Yeah, okay, okay, I got it. <clears throat> Yee-hoo! Listen to the Polykill Podcast with hosts Jake and Travis. Get in on the topic of discussion. With Polykill, you'll want to just beat it. And we're back. Moving on to the next section, we have story time. Um, so this is where anyone can tell a story, a failure, lesson learned, the hard way, anything like that. Um, and... As usual, I don't really have a whole lot to add because I've already told most of my stories, but I can just throw out the uh, current uh, value or, or um, investment in my, in my game collection is usually what I do here. So I'm at $89.48. I've paid for all of my stuff, which is almost ten grand worth of stuff. So that's where I stand. Um, so moving on to Scott. You got any stories? Um, my... Best story, I guess, or mo- story that comes to mind most readily is the theme is just know your stuff and do research. So this goes back to before I owned game stores and I was just starting to get into eBay back in like the infancy of eBay. This was probably 1999, 2000, somewhere right around there. And I was starting to, I was kind of getting out of a, into a hiatus of collecting and was selling some of my stuff on eBay and was really the only time that I've ever dipped into my own collection to sell on eBay. And I had my original JVC XI, which is the Sega CD Genesis combo unit mm-hmm. and sold it on eBay. Cause I was like, Oh, this is thing is just a third party you know, crappy console. So I'll, I put it up for like $45, buy it now. And because I didn't do any research and it sold within like 12 seconds. And immediately <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I've definitely done something wrong. Oh, no. And and back so that, then, 12 seconds is a big deal yeah, for the Internet, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, nothing, nothing ever even came close. And obviously, you know, I, I, it's something that I still kick myself over today because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a rarity and, and I still haven't replaced it in my collection. So it's it's that thing that just haunts me. and. Um, every time I think I know what something's worth or I know what the value of something is, I always think about that time and, and decide an, an ounce of prevention, uh, you know, can, can avoid a lifetime of sorrow and regret. Like, uh, <laughs> you could have worse regrets to be fair. That, that's very true. It could be way worse. Uh, very true. Could be homeless and have no job could have, and could have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want that. All right. <laughs> On that note, Sean. Um, yeah, so I got a, a fun story. When when Mark and I first started their channel uh, and the retro gaming bug bit me, I uh, I went with a shotgun approach to buying, uh, wherein I bought everything. Uh, if I saw it and it was for sale, I bought it. Because in my diluted new retro gamer slash collector mind, I was going to get everything. Um, which I realize now is insanity. I have neither the space nor the money nor the patience to collect all of it. Uh, hats off to those who do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scott, 
So, uh, so I went out and I bought a ton of stuff. I bought like I was buying lots of boxed NES games of like Silent Service and, and things that I, I I don't own them anymore. And it got to the point um, about two years ago that I realized I have a lot of stuff here that I don't need or want. Uh, and that was my first purge when that happened. And from that point forward, my purchasing has slowed down immensely, and my like I'm, I'm constantly in a state of trimming what I have. So like if you were to come in and look at my games, or if I was to give you a list of my games, you wouldn't be overly impressed by the number. You wouldn't be impressed at all by the number. Um, uh, the, the quality of the games, I believe are all good, but more importantly, it's a list of games that I enjoy. And I just, for anybody who's new and getting into it, uh, you know, starting out, don't just consume everything all at once. Pick a, and, and, Everybody said, pick a small target and work towards that first, but do that. Like actually, you know, find something you like uh, and just buy that at first and figure it out before you just buy a bunch of junk you don't need. Um, yeah, that was my, that's my story. That's especially true for people getting in now. I mean, you look at the retro gaming market and there, I obviously have a big collection, but there'd be no way I would have anywhere near that if it wasn't stuff that I'd been collecting since literally the eighties, you know, I, mm. it's the market right now is just absolutely nuts. Yeah. And it, it's easy for a lot of people to get overwhelmed and just say, I want to buy, I'm going to buy everything. You know, I need the Mario or the uh, Ashley, Mary Kate and Ashley games. I need, uh, you know, <laughs> buying all this junk just for the sake of buying junk and, don't don't throw your money away. Put it towards something you you want. That, that's probably another good point too. Is the the people look at the market now and and there's a lot of videos and podcasts and stuff talking about. I know this isn't the the market isn't going to crash. It's it's perpetual and it's always going to go up. Well, it, it's not right. I mean, no. nothing is perpetual. Nothing is always going to go up. If you're getting into video game collecting because it's an investment for you just sell your collection now and get out because you will eventually lose it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, nothing, nothing goes up forever. Yeah. I mean, I, people always equate it back to the baseball cards, right? It's where it kind of always comes around to compare it to that. And, you know, it seemed like it was going to keep going, but it has to stop or people lose interest or it becomes too expensive to get people in or, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, it, it goes to where collectors and, and um, investors take over. You look at all of the different sites now that are selling ga game box protectors, and that's sort of what you saw when the game, when the, the sports card market was on its last legs. You know, when, when, it, when more people are spending more money on the hobby of collecting than they are on the actual games themselves, that... The, you're signaling a shift in the industry. That's interesting for one of you. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, kind of like uh, spending money on your shelves instead of the actual games. No, that's a good idea. Do that. Keep uh, <laughs> shelves. Shelves. You get to have pretty cases. I think we actually have a a listener. I know that's why it's funny. Later on, so a little yeah. foreshadowing there. Yep. I was gonna leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, our next section is um collection discussion and topic um so it's kind of uh, about your collection mostly uh how do you track your purchases um <clears throat> sorry do you track your purchases and sales uh how do you track it word excel paper etc uh, any fun statistics total games things like that so starting with scott um i use a 
uh, application for all, tracking all of my collection. Uh, it's a same software that Dean Round Two Gaming uses. Uh, he was asking me what I use to to track my collection. I showed him this, and he fell in love with it. It's for anybody who's really into collecting and getting into kind of the nitty gritty of collecting everything, especially if you're a complete collector. The Collectors app that's Collectors with a Z. Uh, is fantastic. They have a, a desktop computer version. They have a mobile version. They have a cloud version. Uh, so you can literally check your collection anywhere you are. Uh, it, it's been fantastic. I've been using it since uh, I think 2009 um, and would never switch to anything else. It's I, I love it. Um, before I got into that, I was using spreadsheets. And once the iPhone came out, that's what really sort of jump started me into getting into a a more elegant solution that would translate to mobile uh, in a scalable way um, because doing something like google docs just wasn't wieldy once you get to a certain volume that yeah. collector's app has to be something special because dean lasagna converted his entire collection into it um that's, and that's not a, that's not an easy task no, it, it's awesome. You can it 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 deal. You you can put in uh, settings for each of the different extras you have, whether it's posters or registration cards or manuals. It, it tracks everything. It's got it tracks regions. It tracks variants. It, he, Dean even uses it to track his uh, his figure collection. It's really customizable. Really really flexible. Is it good for simple collectors though? Like the basic. I've got like you know. 20 games for each console is that even worth it or not um it it does that um you could just probably get the ios app and i think it's ten dollars for for the the mobile app whether it's ios or android and suffice without the desktop version if you're just doing a a small collection and it's got like a, a scanner built in so you can just scan the barcodes or or take a picture of it and do a search that way um, and then what's nice too is then if you ever actually scale your collection up, you're, you're ready-made. You don't have to go through a, a giant conversion. Um, now, obviously I've been using this for almost a decade now, so I haven't really been looking at all the other solutions. Back, yeah. when I, back when I started using this, this was literally, there was like two options. It was this and, and something that was way, way, way less feature-packed. So truth be told, I can't really speak to comparing it to the feature sets of all of the other solutions that are out now, because there really is a, a, a plethora of, of options. Yeah. I think this is the one that I actually was starting to use. I was trying it out because everyone was saying, was saying good things about it, but I thought it was $19 for, for the Android app for some reason, if this is the right one I'm thinking of. It, the, the mobile version is just called CLZ. Yeah. CLZ games. Yeah. I have it installed, but of course it tells me I need an update. So I was, not sure if this is the right one or not, but if the mobile version doesn't charge to update it. So if you bought it, you should be able to update without a problem. Yeah. So I can do the update, but as soon as I go to get, yeah, see full app, unlock full app for 1895. Wow. And it definitely went up because it was only, actually, I think it was even 495 when I bought it and then it went up to 995. So unless there's a feature again. difference or something, I know I, I added the first, you get a hundred games for free and I added those and it was, it was easy. I just wanted to, yeah, it is 100. That might be the conversion of Canadian to U.S. The difference. Probably doesn't help. Yeah. It just says remove database limits if I upgrade. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was just trying to uh, build up my um, 
Google Rewards money since it's free money for doing surveys. Yeah, probably use that whenever I build it up. It's at ten bucks now, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's it's <clears> fantastic. <throat> it shows you database totals. It it it'll sync with um, price charting now, so that it'll automatically pull in yeah. all your values. And it that was when I actually started. Um, to switch over to it because I'd heard it did that. And I'm like, okay, I want something that does that so that when I'm out and I'm looking at a game, I immediately know what it's worth. Yep. And you can you, know what my collection's worth too. You can build up your whole want list on it too. And that'll sync with price charting. So it's just mm -hmm. easy. You can scroll through on a given platform, say, Oh, I'm looking for these four games for this platform. I should be paying X, Y, and Z for them. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to uh, Travis, I actually have the uh, price charting price come into my Google Docs spreadsheet. <laughs> That's pretty slick. I heard you talking about that in a previous episode. Yeah, That's he awesome. gave me the script that he had found to do that, uh, and I did a few changes to it and, and made it a little bit a little bit easier. Um, there's still an issue I have with it actually, but that's more more technical that I'm sure we want to get into here. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah. So next thing you had stats. Oh yeah. So I looked at the at the collector's database here. I currently am sitting in, I don't put anything that I have for sale in it. I don't track any of that stuff. It's just what I have on, on hand. This, the room that I'm sitting in now is for anybody who's watching on YouTube is my eBay room. So this is just all crap that I have for sale. This is where I do all my shipping. So I apologize. It's a disaster. Um, but the collection has 5,432 CIB games, um, which I just realized is also kind of a fun number because it's 5432. You have to and... sell 1,111 games, though. Yeah. 4321. <laughs> <laughs> that probably isn't going to happen. No. <laughs> 6543 is going to come more, more, <laughs> is more realistic. Yeah. Um, I'm currently sitting at nine complete North American sets, uh, and I'm within two games each of two more. Um, and unique consoles, I'm currently sitting at 127. Cool. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. I have my console sitting right here and it's not 125. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now that we're all depressed with our own collections, Sean, how you doing? Oh, great. I can't wait to follow that. I'm, I don't have to say my numbers, right? That's not a thing I have to do. <laughs> you don't have to. No, nobody right, has to. Yeah. Well, everybody just heard me count out my entire NES collection. <laughs> <right now>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Um, I used to track using the puregaming.org uh, iOS apps. They're pretty good. They have a list of all the games for each console and they uh, track prices and you can actually, they give you links to current eBay sales uh, of those games if you want them. Um, and I also use uh, an Amiibo tracking app, but I stopped using both. I stopped using the pure gaming one cause I don't, I'm not hunting enough for games. I'm not adding enough to my collection to need to track it anymore. And I don't track Amiibos anymore because I just have them all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we found something you didn't have. Subset that's true. Complete. Yeah, that's true. I am missing uh, Box Boy, um, three of the Monster Hunter ones, and Poochie, and, and Gold Mega Man. But, and you don't miss the uh, Animal Crossing ones? No, I don't have the animal any of the... And you uh, don't miss them, I mean. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't uh, bother me. And um, more importantly was the Skylander half-breeds. Yeah, I'm not into half-breeds. So um, I don't, I just, they're not Amiibos to me. They're Skylanders. Yeah, they are Skylanders to me as well. That's why I have them. Yeah. For so, my son. 
I'm not sure. Whatever you to tell yourself. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> no, I don't miss those ones. And, and in all honesty, I don't really have this the space for them in my I probably have custom, them right my custom amiibo them. case. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Cool. And for me, same old story. Uh, I track with uh, Google Docs sheet. Uh, I'm, as I said, was starting to use an app. I had another app, which was the video games app by Sorted Apps, but I kind of just stopped updating it. I don't love it anyway, so I kind of just gave up on adding new things. Um, and Sean reminded me that I should find a Skylanders tracking app because we keep buying duplicates, and I should stop doing that. Mm. Once, once I buy three duplicates, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out some better way of doing this because <laughs> I can't remember which ones we have. Uh, part of the problem with that is we, my son gets them as rewards for being good, and we have some that I bought and are in a bag and he hasn't got them as rewards yet. So I forget which ones those are because we haven't played with them. So that's the if you get the collector's app, you could track your Skylanders in that too. Maybe all in the one. Skyland or sorry, the collector's uh, game app though. Does it do Yeah, you can, you can basically create custom lists in there. Yeah, I'm not that's how, that's how, that's how Dean did his, all of his. Yeah. My problem is time investment. I, I know there are Skylander collecting apps. Um, already out there that already have the database. I just keep forgetting to grab one. Um, yeah. So I'll find it eventually. I wrote it in my, in my uh, search for it in Google Play Store. I'll try and remember. I don't want to create a custom database. It's already got to exist. I don't care what the app is as long as it's hopefully free and decent. But uh, it's mostly just... I, I'd even write a text list of which ones I have. The problem is the bottom of the Skylanders has a number and doesn't have a name. So if you look at the box, mm. you need the, the name. But if you look at the bottom of it, you need the number. So anyway. gotcha. no one really cares about Skylanders except for Steven Eider. All right. <clears throat> so uh, next section here is listener questions. Uh, you can tweet at hashtag dollar dorks if you have any questions for me or my guests on the next episode. Um, you can ask uh, under the Cartridge Club forums, under the Dollar Dorks podcast, or in the YouTube comments of this video or any other one. Um, so what was, uh, this is a question from Flock of Nerds, sorry. Um, our first question, what was the most disappointed you've ever been with a video game? Like a game that you were super jazzed about, of course, Miles would say that. Um, and it turned out to be a big, to be a flop, retro or new. Uh, we'll start with Sean. Operation, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Um. So it's a toss-up between this and Two Worlds 2. Uh, I had, up to the point that uh, these games had come out, I had never traded a game in at EB Games. Uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City got announced. I got super hyped for it. I pre-ordered it. The day it came out, I bought it and the like. Uh, this, like the strategy guide for it. I rushed home to play it, and it was a steaming pile of garbage. Uh, and I don't think I had it home for more than two hours. And I was driving back to EB Games to trade it in. It was that bad. Wow. Because it, it, it back early. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be like a third-person cover-based shooter taking place uh, in Raccoon City during the events of Resident Evil 2. And all of the, and you played as uh, Hunk and the, a team of Umbrella mercenaries. And this all sounded great to me. I was like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be like a, a fun shooter in this world Extra that I love. Years but... of war. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Okay, cover-based shooting. Um, but it was garbage. The The controls were off. The aiming was terrible. The AI was brutal. Uh, it was it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. 
Awesome. I hope that was a little bit of therapy for you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about it. <laughs> My name is Sean, and I have a problem. Uh, okay, Scott, how about you? So I have two. One of them is a recent one, so that's probably why this one hurts the most, because of recency bias, but Road Rage, which is just came out for PlayStation 4 uh, from Maximum Games, and it was supposed to be a Road Rash, like, not really a reboot, but like an homage to Road Rash, which was one of my favorite games of the whole 16-bit era. And instead of a Road Rash homage, it was just a steaming pile of turd in a case. <laughs> I, I played it for about five minutes and <clears throat> took it out and threw the disc across the room. It was it's god awful. So terrible. I had heard about the game and I thought it was I thought it was interesting too because I always liked Road Rash and want to revisit that, but. It's not even a road rash. Like the the advertisements definitely made it look like road rash, and the the trailers all made it look like it was a road rash clone. Okay. It's more of like an open world driving mission game. It's not even road rash. Oh, so there's no racing where you're attacking people besides you. You are sort of attacking like open world people. It's like if you Just took the same thing, right? Yeah, it, yeah. The, the part the main part is you're hitting guys you're competing with, right? Right. So it right. should be okay. Yeah, it's terrible. But even more so than that, going back, I was a big MMO player um, back in the day. I went through Ultima Online, played Dark Age of Camelot, World of Warcraft, um, Warhammer, Age of Reckoning, uh, just a ton. And as a huge Star Wars nerd, when Star Wars Galaxies came out, I got huge into Star Wars Galaxies and had a blast with it. And then about a year, maybe it wasn't even a year, into the Galaxies life cycle, Sony Online Entertainment completely changed the way Galaxies worked. And they took what was an awesome game and turned it into Road Rage. So that was just a complete nut punch because... It was something that I was looking forward to, and then it was awesome, and then they patched the awesomeness out of it. Hmm. Yeah, I never played it. Um, but I was just looking at... I thought I had Road Road Rage in my wish list on Steam, and I realized it's actually Road Redemption that I have in my wish list on Steam, which just came out on October, October 4th, 2017. So I wonder if that's any better of a clone. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Not to derail your, it, your topic, it, but it can't possibly be worse. So it's got to be better. <laughs> well, it has it has a uh, two hundred, no, two, th three thousand reviews almost, and they're very positive on average. All right. So I mean, Road Rage's reviews on Metacritic was like a twenty. Yeah. So it's, this is not. <laughs> I I don't know what there's Metacritic there. It's a seventy. On Road Redemption, I'm trying to see um what platforms it came out with. So it came out on PS4. There you go. Re Road Redemption. Go for that instead. All right. Definitely going to have to do that. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the better option. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we're done. Just making sure I didn't cut you off. Too bad. No, I'm done. Cut you off too bad. Not cut you off too bad. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and me. Um, so... A game I actually enjoyed, but I was disappointed that more people didn't enjoy, and that made me enjoy it less, was Duke Nukem Forever. I actually pre-ordered the game when it was coming out. I took a day off work, and so did two of my friends. Um, we all played it single-player first, and then we went and played online, and there were not enough people to play with. 
I found the game was was solid a solid game, but the uh, lead up to it just made too many people sour. Um, and I don't blame people, especially people that had like you know fifteen year old pre orders from companies that were bankrupt or whatever else. So <laughs> it sucks, and uh, I I still did enjoy the game. That's about it. That's the closest thing I have. I haven't played forever. Yeah, I was just a normal first-person shooter a la Duke Nukem. I think, it, I'm sure it probably got a lot of crap just because of the saga that it took to actually come out. Yeah, exactly. You know, company tries to reinvent the game 15 times while creating it over 15 years. Yeah. Start the start over on the engine, and then it goes bankrupt. Or Yeah, didn't it bankrupt like two companies? I think so, yeah. It was, it was crazy. Um, and it sucks that that all happened. But at the same time, it was a decent game, and I love Duke Nukem, so... Now, if they had changed the voice actor, that would have been different. Yeah, that would have made me angry. Okay, and that's <laughs> what yeah, that's sorry. what all the nostalgia is, right? I mean, yeah, I know. Everybody the voice actor playing it on PC and 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 the personality it. and everything about it, even also little hidden things and you know, like mirrors in the original game was a big deal. So them still doing that kind of stuff in the new game was was cool. Anyway, yeah, I don't sit on that too long. <laughs> okay, so the next question was from uh, Mighty Q Doug. This week, both your guests uh, have awesome custom cabinetry for their collections. So, what percentage of your expenditure is for overhead? Uh, is the cost of is the cost considered part of your collection cost or not? I guess. So, Scott, you want to start this time? Sure. Um, so, my game library is all stored on uh, like a custom. It's not really custom. It's it's slat wall shelving basically, um, so it's just like a single track track shelving. So I just buy a bunch of wooden shelves and they they hang on the wall um, and they're really customizable. I went that route instead of the you know the media shelves that you buy for a hundred bucks at Best Buy or whatever. Um, so. <laughs> uh, so that can't, I gotta stop reading the chat. Stop reading <laughs> the chat. <laughs> so I'd say I probably only have uh, a few hundred dollars into my game library shelving, but I do have a pretty significant investment into my console shelving. Um, I wanted to be able to have all of my consoles hooked up and ready to play at a moment's notice. So I designed a custom cabinet for all of my game consoles. Um, and it's got, it's fully wired up. It's got uh, 30 different cubbies in it for uh, different consoles. Uh, it's got cooling, it's got temperature sensing, it's got electrical in a hidden back compartment with uh, all of the AV switching. It's got a couple of G-SCART uh, RGB switches a couple of G component switchers for um, sort of that, that mid-range, um, not RGB, not HDMI, but uh, the component systems. And uh, so this kind of keeps everything really nice and, and adult looking uh, in the in the actual game room as, a, as adult looking as a, a room filled with video game consoles <laughs> and memorabilia <laughs> can get, I guess. Um, get into the cooling? What? I'm assuming yeah. you mean fans. Yeah, so each each one of the individual console 
Cubbies has uh, has it. Yep, has a a fan in it, and then that is, each cub, cubby is temperature sensing. So it's got a little uh, temperature thermal uh, sensor in there, so that it kicks on and off as you know if a system is on, it'll turn cool that cubby, and then it's got a hidden back compartment as well that has all of the electrical and stuff, and that's got cooling and temperature sensing back there so that it protects all of the electrical components from overheating, all of the, like it's got battery backup back there, keeps that nice and cool, um, just tries to prolong the lifespan of all of it with- uh, with yeah, That's crazy, that, I didn't know about that part. That's awesome. That, I love I love little electronics projects like that. I was gonna dig more into it, but I don't want to bore people. It, yeah, it was a lot of fun <laughs> to design. It actually, I spent about a year designing it on, just on you know paper and and pen, just trying to make sure that I had what I thought cocktail everything napkins. through. Yeah, cocktail napkins, mostly cocktail napkins <laughs> and toothpicks. Yeah, uh, little paper mache project to start with. <laughs> And then I decided I should probably upgrade for the paper mache version because uh, that was a fire hazard. <laughs> do you still have the plans for that? Yeah, I do. Are they for sale? Sure. Everything's got a price. <laughs> I'm a capitalist at heart. <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of people would be interested in that setup. Yeah, I can definitely post a, a schematic. I actually have it all saved into like Microsoft Excel because that's... Uh, that's what I use every day, and it looks like I'm working. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share it. It's kind of a cool I'll project. I wanna, I, I'm curious, because that sounds awesome. I'm curious now where you've got the sensor, the temperature sensors and the fans. I'm assuming it's all computer hardware, but like it I is. said, I don't want to dig too much into it. Most, most of the stuff I got from coolerguys.com, they do like... Uh, custom AV equipment, so they sell all the temperatures, thermal stuff. Oh, see, I didn't realize that was a thing with custom AV equipment, but... Yeah. yeah, huh. That's cool. I will look forward to whenever you do share that out for free to me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, will, uh, I will post it up on the cartridgeclub.org forums. That's short for organism. Orgasm. Or orgasm. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, Sean, you want to answer the question? Yeah, so um, do you want to answer this question? Let's start there. I do. Yeah, I would. I'll, I'll answer this one. I've <laughs> I've decided. <laughs> um, so I have one custom shelving unit, but my uh, I do have three other. They're like those uh, cube shelves you can get from everywhere that sells shelving. Uh, I think it's the Martha Stewart collection from Home Depot. I have two of them mounted on either side of the window on my wall. Um, where I put most of my games or I have little displays set up in them. So they're not really custom per se, but they're mounting, I guess it's a little custom, but I think the question specifically was designed to my Amiibo case. Um, I've got a look, it's about six and a half feet tall, maybe seven foot tall uh, Amiibo case. That was used to be a Ray-Ban sunglasses case. And there's a local artist uh, in town who does uh, custom NESs and, and other consoles. And he had a bunch of these cases that he bought from a store when it closed. And uh, he asked me if I wanted a case for my Amiibo, and I told him yes. So he he put it together for me, and it's really I really like it. It's really nice. The, there's a, a halogen light up one side of it that lights up. Um, the shelves are all clear plastic, and you can it's reversible, so you can flip it back and forth. And it's got a storage unit underneath. Um, and the artwork is all uh, taken directly from Nintendo's ads. Uh, and then he has the word Amiibo etched up the uh, the side of the door. Um, but I like it a lot. It was $150, which Canadian, which I think is a reasonable price to pay. 
Yeah, it sounds like uh, you got a really good deal. Yeah, that's an amazing. Yeah. Case. Like he maybe made it a passion project that he really wanted to do this thing. Yeah, so I have labor or something. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of like a, a museum for a lot of his artwork. I have two NESs, an N64, a Game Boy, and then that Amiibo case. And I I'm I'm in talks with him to get a third NES, um, as well as a Super Nintendo, a GameCube, and then possibly some some Sega consoles. But we'll see about those. Um, so yeah, and he he only lives uh, five minutes from my house, so it's sort of like a if anytime he wants to visit his work, he can just come here. Um, but it, it was a great deal and, uh, it's, it's getting really full. Um, so I might need another stop releasing new ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I, Eric, uh, so Eric asked, uh, if it was how much was it? Uh, yeah. So what uh, what percentage of your expenditure? So like I said, that was only 150, um, Canadian. And if you tally up the cost of the amiibos at, even if you average them at twenty dollars a piece or fifteen dollars a piece, I think they're twenty a piece now. Taxes in, actually, they're twenty six now. Um, that's Canadian, it's yeah. less than less than ten percent. I've got, I think there's like sixty amiibo or something in there. So, yeah, it's it's a fraction of the cost, and it, it really because I open all of mine, so I find that it really helps give that pop. It's all about the presentation, right? Like. I want them because they look nice. They're they're like little statues, essentially that I that I do use in games. But I want to display them. I want them to look at it. And it's all about that presentation for me. And I think if they were just on a generic shelf, it wouldn't be as good. Jose Otero from uh, sorry, not Jose Otero, Per Schneider from uh, IGN. He also has all. He actually has every amiibo. He's not 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 missing the ones that I'm missing, and he has them all on a floating shelf against a brick wall at IGN uh, headquarters and they look really sharp. And I, I have other friends who have Amiibo and they don't have, they just have them on generic shelves and it doesn't, it doesn't look as good. The presentation's not there. So uh, it was worth every penny for me. Am I not on a black floating shelf on the wall? Yeah. But I have like yeah. four, no, I have six, whatever. <laughs> hey man, you're, you're doing good. It's not a competition yeah. to see which one of us can get to 6,000 games first. <laughs> <laughs> My money's on Sean. Good thing it's not a competition. <laughs> They'd be good games because I get a lot of really shitty games. Okay, let's not go there. It's a comeback story. <laughs> the underdog. Everybody loves an underdog. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure I'm at like 400 games. So, <laughs> unless you count my Steam library, but that's different. Okay. Uh, and I'm answering this question even though it was not at all directed at me because I don't apply to the criteria but anyway i spend as little money as possible on my shelves um i have a really neat uh, dvd shelf that i got for free right here um from a facebook group my wife found it dvds fit perfectly just sitting there there's no extra space it's not very deep which is uncommon for shelves because usually they're bookshelves um and then uh i have ikea floating shelves for action figures amiibos and funko pops um there's like one there one there one there one there one there um yeah and those were usually bought at garage sales or uh, wherever hollows I can get them cheap. I like that your your uh, shelving unit isn't so deep. I like that the the games fit right to the edge. I know that, it's it's literally it, meant for DVDs. I, I yeah. could not have found a better shelf. I tried. It looks sharper. Um, yep. When Colleen and I have been looking at shelving units, we have a we now have a spare bedroom because one of our children moved out. Huzzah! Um, <laughs> And uh, we've been looking at shelving units, and she every every day all she tells me is that she wants them deeper, and because uh, she wants to put more stuff in there. And I just I don't I, the shallow ones I think just look nicer. 
Yeah, it yes. takes up less room in the in the actual room. I mean, it doesn't help here because they're beside the couch anyway, and I have a whole bunch of junk well, that, here. But that's stuff in the back you can't read. You're reaching way in there. It's like yeah. you're putting your arm in a pit. Yep. It does. Yours would fit more because it's double back, but then it's buried, so it doesn't yeah. really help. Yep. <clears throat> I'm glad I, I. I'm glad it's basically just enough room for my collection. And if it wasn't, I'll start getting rid of shit because I don't have. I don't need half these games anyway. I think I should need to do another purge. So. Okay, uh, where are we? So, Musty Hobbit. Musty Hobbit said to Scott specifically. I don't understand what happened here. Oh yeah, two questions. So one, one specifically for Sean, one, Sean, one for Scott. So Scott, uh, I heard you indicate that uh, games only go into your collection once they're complete. Do you still uh, piece games together? So you kind of already answered that before, right? Yes, I rarely do. Um... I, I will if I buy, if I see get a good deal on something. So if I see a, a card only for just a ridiculously low price, um, I'll pick it up because I know that I can still probably piece it together for less than the cost of just buying a complete one. But again, it goes back to, it's like the flip side of why I part things out when I sell it. If, if I'm buying something that's not complete already, I know I'm just, A, I'm buying myself a project. And I don't have all that much time on my hands. And B, it's going to end up costing me more in the long run. Um, so I, I try to stay away from that. So the way I was thinking you were going to say you look at that is pick it up loose so you can always part to get uh, piecemeal it. Um, or you can find a CIB one later and sell the one you got loose as long as you got it for a good price. Yeah, honestly, mo most of the I would consider that then just buying something for, for sale to buying something to flip yeah um, i'm just mean um if you weren't sure which way it would pan out yeah you bought yeah. it for sure yeah okay. for sure um which but i guess again, that doesn't make all... sense why you don't add it to your collection until it's complete because you haven't decided which way it's going to go yep yep and i i like that my my collection database is for the most part it's just the stuff that i know i'm done with you know it's it's not gotcha stuff that is work in progress. And there are a few exceptions where there's things that I just don't know if I'm going to end up completing where, you know, a manual for something might be ultra rare, like a Hagane or something like that, that then I'll just consider part of the collection. But Okay. So what about when you're at a store and you see something, you're like, I swear I have that. And you look in your database, it's not there. Then I'll buy it. If it's CIB, what if it's not? It, well, it com then it comes back to the price. If it's something that's that I know is a price that I just can't pass up, um, and I know that if push came to shove and I already had it and I was buying a duplicate, that I would still yep. be okay. Then, yeah, I guess you yeah. sell enough that it's not a big deal. Yep, yep. It, again, it goes back to volume, you know? Yep, okay. All right, Sean, uh, what would Nintendo, I assume that's what N stands for, have to do to get you to stop buying Amiibo or... Would there be any series other than um, Animal Crossing you wouldn't go for? That's again from Musty. I, I probably wouldn't jump in on a Pokemon series. Um, what about maybe... a series made of cereal? Yeah, no, I'm also owed, <laughs> I'm also owed on that. The, uh, the Nintendo Box Amiibo series. Uh, yeah, no, that's not, not going to Although I do want Box Boy, but not... That's <laughs> that's different. Yeah. No, uh, I think if there were other than the original 150 Pokemon, I don't really know or have an attachment to oh, current yeah, Pokemon. Um, 
and and I know the original 150, but I don't like love them. Um, and I just sounded like my kid there when I answered that. <laughs> I don't like love I'm, love him. Suddenly, I'm channeling a 15 year old girl. Um, so not the first time. Uh, I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't jump in on a Pokemon series. And for me to stop buying the ones I have, if they went back and did a player two version for all the Smash Amiibos, which I suspect they're going to when they release Smash on uh, Switch, uh, that might get me out of the Smash lineup, maybe. What about when they release a Amiibo Switch box? An Amiibo Switch box i don't release understand a, an ami- release a switch where the box is an amiibo oh yeah i probably <laughs> wouldn't get that one either unless it had the pink and green joy cons from splatoon then maybe oh god <laughs> um yeah that would be your I, at least we know your i limits. i do fully think that they're going to release a pokemon line in in uh conjunction with the pokemon game on the switch and i expect that because if you look at the smash bros line which is the elite like the first series smash bros they looked the worst um of all the amiibo they released that line looks the least good um the super mario line is looks really nice the fire Emblem line looks really nice the zelda line looks really nice the splatoon line is gorgeous but that smash bros line it, it i find it goes for too much of a realistic look and it doesn't doesn't carry over well but uh so they went up and did everybody and then in the last wave the the three characters in the last wave all had player two versions of themselves, and uh, I I can almost guarantee that they're going to go back down the list, releasing player two versions of all of them. I don't like the player two whole concept. I think it's silly, but okay. Yeah, I don't know enough about it, but I don't like it. It sounds like a money grab, but it definitely sounds like a money grab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't follow Amiibo very very well or very closely, but that's what it sounds like to me. Okay, let's just move on. Suggested content. So here's where we uh, each suggest a YouTube channel or a podcast or a game or anything else to check out. And we're starting with Sean. So um, I really only watch YouTube channels from the club for the most part. Um, and most of the podcasts I listen to are club related, uh, or if not, I have talked about them before on our show. Um, but one that I, I don't think I've mentioned often um, is called School of Movies. Um, and it's hosted by uh, a couple, Alex and Sharon Shaw. And they do extremely thought out, deep dive looks at films or film series. Um, and it's one of the one of the best podcasts uh, series I've ever heard. They used to be called Digital Gonzo like 10 years ago, and then they changed to Digital Cowboys, I think, and then Digital Drift, and then they were something else in between that and School of Movies. Anyway, now they're School of Movies. Um, but they've been around for a very long time, and their shows are very well put together. They're, they're very intelligent. Yeah, you told me about them uh, when I was mentioning I had no podcast to listen to, and I added them, but then every podcast that they would come out with was movies I hadn't seen yet. I'm like, I don't want to listen to one on a movie I haven't seen and will yeah, see. <laughs> don't. Don't, because, yeah. It, I don't uh, always mind spoilers, but the detail that they go into, I wouldn't want to hear that much detail, that's all. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I will check out one 
eventually. I, I might have to go to the back catalog. That might be the yeah. best way to do it. Check That's out what I did. Have you seen and maybe liked or didn't like? And, uh, yeah. Any of their shows on the Marvel Cinematic Universe are fantastic. Um, they do some funny stuff. Uh, like Amazon reviews, and it's all like bad reviews from Amazon. Um, those are pretty good, but uh, yeah, they're always really good shows. I definitely recommend. Cool. I should have wrote that down. Um, so my recommendation—it's me next. Uh, Smarter Every Day is a channel on YouTube um, with—I was going to say how many subscribers? Oh, five million subscribers. So you probably already heard of them, but it's basically making videos about using science to explain things. Um, the guy the guy that is the host, Destin, uh, I believe he's some kind of rocket science uh, scientist. I believe he said that before for NASA. And he basically just, you know, sometimes slow motion cameras to explain things, sometimes just um, odd uh, experiments to explain things, but just neat things in everyday life that he explains with science. And he has a, an obsession with guns, if that helps anybody who's listening. Not everything's gun-related, but there's a lot of uh, episodes where he will do experiments with guns, and it's pretty interesting if you don't like guns, especially slow-mo cameras. Yeah, smarter every day. Scott? Nice. I actually had not heard of that, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Definitely a smart guy. So mine is also uh, non-CC-related. This past summer, I stumbled upon a YouTube channel and I'm really loving it. It's called, uh, it's based on a, an old game show, like an old video game show that was from the mid nineties. And I think it was only aired in Canada because I'd never heard about it. And I'm in the States, um, called electric playground. And it was hosted by a guy named Victor Lucas. And so over this past year, they basically, he went and uploaded all of the old episodes of electric playground and it's just a blast to go and watch all of the stuff from the the mid '90s. He goes, there's episodes where he's at elect, uh, E3, you know, at different game conventions. There's episodes where they're talking about upcoming game launches, and it was sort of that transition into the N64 era. So it's a lot of uh, just really nostalgic fun going back and watching some of those old episodes that I never got to see, but it reminds me of of stuff I would watch down here in the States. And it, it really has given me a way to find some games that I'd completely forgotten about as well from that era. Um, and now he does have, they've started doing new content as well. The YouTube channel is EPN.TV. That's uh, D-O-T TV. Um, and so they, he does, I think they, they do videos like new stuff, new content every day. It's really high production value. Um, just, just a, a great, great channel. And back in the day, his co-host was Tommy Tellerico, yeah. who is a music pr- a producer, writer for lots of video games. So, and he's the one who does video games live. Um, so yeah. Yeah. A lot of those old episodes, Tommy's in it. Yeah. And Tommy's the more, he's the more eccentric, the more, um, out there. I don't know what you want to call him, but. The, the one who's more entertaining generally, um, generally, whereas Victor is like the more, the, I would say the more factual one, the, yep. you know, down to earth, whatever you want to call it. I think Victor Lucas is doing stuff with happy console gamer now. He was definitely. Yeah. They had some videos together a couple months ago for sure. I, I haven't watched it recently. Can't remember what video it was that I first saw them on, but yeah, happy console gamer. I think they're both from the same area, hmm. Vancouver area, I think. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, definitely lots of good videos. There are a lot of newer and trendy videos on there now. 
Um, it'll do like daily questions and stuff. Yep. I think actually, did you, did, uh, just recent, not like maybe last year, I think he actually had uh, Barry Del Mars wrote in and asked a question and ha got a happy birthday from them, which was neat. oh nice. <laughs> did you guys watch uh, Electric Playground? Like, were you? Yeah, as a kid, I did. And, uh, I didn't watch it a lot. I think there was. It was either a bad time slot for me to watch, or I think my brother wanted to watch the show at the same time. But there were definitely times where I watched it a lot. Nice. I never did. I did a lot, too. My neighbor who I always played games with. Yeah, yeah. just a cool, cool blast of nostalgia. Yeah, it's good. I agree. And we did have that um, recommended a previous month. I think that was when uh, NJ Retro was on. Maybe he had recommended it, too. Still good. And and at that time, they hadn't had all the old episodes uploaded yet. They were doing that recently. Um, they had waited till they got to like 50,000 subscribers or something like that, I think it was, before they were doing that. Okay. Yeah, I, did, I just discovered it this summer. It was on just like a, we played after, randomly after some other <laughs> video I was watching. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And it was one of the old episodes. Nice. And so then I went in and, and I think they were in the process of uploading them all at that point because I, I must have watched an entire weekend worth just on, of that channel. It was great. The, their old ones were so crazy. They would go and meet with developers. Like, yeah. At the developers' headquarters, they would have like videos with them meeting with, uh, with, uh, I did software. They have them playing tennis with Microsoft or sorry, with uh, Nintendo guys at Nintendo's headquarters. And then they also had a video with, uh, I believe it was the launch of road rash. Really? I yeah. I think one. maybe I a PS one road rash or no 3DO 3DO road rash. Maybe it was anyway. Yeah. I remember seeing that one. That's one of the ones I remember seeing them upload, uh, first from the old show, old shows. Nice. Pretty cool. Yep. Good okay. stuff. Well, that's that's wrapping it up here. Our last section, our next section is plugs. So we're gonna plug Scott. He's at VG Collectaholic on Twitter, uh, co-host of the Masters Unlocking podcast. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun, Derek. Appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on, <laughs> Sean. Uh, he is on Twitter at at Cartridge Bros, co-host of the Cartridge Club podcast, and as we said before, our benevolent leader. Of the cartridge club yeah Th thanks uh don't call me that thanks for <laughs> rumors are starting that people are saying things we had <laughs> another comment that scott had for you but i can't remember what it was our, our benevolent but forgetful leader forgetful. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah miles and Catherine call us the uh sibling dictator ruthless dictators i think uh, ruthless sibling dictators i think it is yeah but i didn't uh, want to be too honest <laughs> that's right Derek gets behind the scenes. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Derek. I, uh, I, I, I know it's not really a show for someone who doesn't sell, so I appreciate you squeezing me in no, after I, months of begging. <laughs> not literally at all. You are partly to credit for the creation of the podcast, so I really couldn't say no, even if I tried. We, just, we needed a we needed a DD to fill in our alphabetic. Uh... I know, right? We still don't have an AA, but I guess there already is one. <laughs> yeah, and most of the club members are members. <laughs> Bandwagon of which, go check out cartridgeclub.org uh, for uh, the place, the, the community that brought us all together. Um, community of gamers, collectors, uh, content creators, friends, and as we know, resellers. <laughs> so, thank you for listening, and thanks to my guests for coming on. Cha-ching.
We just lost Scott, didn't we? I don't know. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> <clears throat> so I can always just run downstairs and go on my de- my desktop in my uh, podcast room if that works better. You are you are quite a, a, a pretty man. Oh, you just don't don't just don't buy it. But I've got a complete set, and I got to keep it complete now. You know, well, yeah, now but th- I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a pound at this point. Yeah, that's the problem. Is you're a complete set collector. I know, it's, a, <laughs> it's a disaster. But I just I live on nothing but beer, so I just <laughs> redirect all of that food money. You don't have right. children. You're fine. Yeah, that, that's that's don't, the thing. You're fine. Don't have kids. That's, <laughs> that's the greatest thing ever. Is that, our, that we're not to the tip section yet? <laughs> no, that is the no, next section. Oh, that is the tip section. <laughs> that's my that's my tip. Don't have you like things? Don't have kids. <laughs> You guys need to go to the bathroom at all? Drink water? No. I'm a camel. All right. I brought my poop sock and my pee jug. <laughs> and Bro. your blanket and your hoodie. Yep. I'm ready to raid, <laughs> bitches. Let's do some Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> you could cut together an, an extra show from the bonus. I, I literally could. I really like, could. this is the last time I'm having these two bastards on. <laughs> yeah. Together at least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about replacing Mark.